Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and today I'm joined by Mick. Uh, Rob unfortunately teleported himself into the time stream, but he should be back soon. So, how are you doing today, Mick? I'm not doing too bad, I'm... I'm recovering from the shock of being one of only uh from what i can tell by the box office figures eight people to have seen the new mutants um but other than that yeah yes see, <laughs> it's, it's been... see on the one hand part of me wants to ask you how new mutants was but i i fear every step i take to being closer to this is a real movie that exists in the cinemas now and it's not right. It's not how it's done, but, Mick. But, but, hey, I thought, right, with the coronavirus cancelling all the events, that this year's Great North Run, which got delayed to next year, apart from a virtual thing that's happening next week, right, I thought that was going to happen before New Mutants arrived in cinemas. But hell, No. I've been, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes, I have. And how was it? Was it the, the promised golden film that we've all been waiting for? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I turned to my son as we walked into the auditorium and said, you do realise what's going to happen, don't you? We're going to sit through all the trailers and then a big screen's going to come up that just says, um, sorry, but due to unforeseen circumstances... <laughs> The release of New Mutants has had to be delayed. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it starts and the projector just immediately bursts yeah. into flames. But no, it it's actually a shame that um, New Mutants has come out in the middle of where we are because I think we all, I think it's fair to say, everyone had doubts that um, the film was going to be any cop. Mainly because the company didn't seem to have that much confidence in it. Oh, we'll delay it in case it's up against that. Oh, we'll delay it in case it's up against that. Oh, we'll delay it in case it's up against that. Delay, 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 delay. Yes, yes. They've waited to. They waited to a point until literally no other films <laughs> were coming out, and then said, "But actually, what if we put it up against the new Christopher Nolan blockbuster <laughs> instead?" Indeed. And the thing is, if if you're one of those people like me and, I think, humans that thought uh, the Fox mutant franchise had gone out on something of a low point with Dark Phoenix, this is a remarkable upturn. It's much better than anyone has any right to expect. And it, it, it's actually, I came away from it thinking, well, it's a shame we probably won't see the original planned trilogy now. That was good. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to see it maybe yeah. next weekend at time of recording, but we'll, we'll have to see. God, that, that would be the cherry, wouldn't it? If New Mutants finally comes out and I just go, yeah, I'll see it eventually yeah. and never do. <laughs> 
But yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, all that being said, completely unrelated to what we're talking about today, but I just love talking new mutants. I know it is, but I thought... I mean, mainly as a result of the social distancing in place in cinemas, you know, even if you go to the cinema at the first available opportunity, because you're only allowed, I don't know, to sit one person per row, it might be six months before you actually get a ticket. So um, so I thought I'd, I'd bring it up and mention it because we'll have forgotten the film ever came out by the time we get around to including it on this August list. That is very true. But I've got a fit. I've got a feeling it'll become the cult classic of the X Men franchise. No one will see it on release, but it'll slowly build an audience over thirty years on streaming services and other on-demand platforms. And really, that's all any filmmaker aspires to. Absolutely. Anyway, enough of all that, because now it's time for us to imagine Batman and then aim lower as we behold the Umbrella Academy. So, yeah, this week we are going to be talking about uh, technically both series, but probably more series two of the Netflix original based on the comics by Gerard Way and Gabriel Barr, Um, of which I'm going to be honest, I've not read a mick. Do you want me to be brutally honest? Neither have I. Uh, so this could be a short episode then. Seeing as we seem remarkably underqualified to determine whether it was a yes, good Yes, <laughs> Yes, admittedly, for one of our main criteria, today's <laughs> show is going to be a big... I don't know. Maybe, is it a good comic adaptation? It's got a talking monkey in it. It can't be hell bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so to kind of set the scene for the series, it is uh it starts on October the 1st, 1981. Uh 43 women around the world give birth simultaneously. Seven of these children are adopted by the eccentric billionaire Reginald Hargreaves, played by Colm Fior, and are trained to become superheroes as the Umbrella Academy. Who are the Umbrella Academy, you ask, though? Thanks, Mick. We have, as number one, Luther, played by Tom Hooper, who is the super strong team leader, and after an accident, he was injected with a serum that made him part gorilla. Then, as you as do. Number... Yeah. I mean, certainly as you do in this universe. Yeah. Then number two is Diego, played by David Castaneda who has the ability to curve the trajectory of thrown objects and operates as a vigilante. He is the uh, the discount Batman from our introduction. Indeed. At number three, we have Alison. This has turned into Talk to the Pops, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm not doing the tune. Fair enough. We'll probably get copyrighted. In at number three, we've got Alison, played by Emmy Raver-Latman. Uh, she can rumour people into her obeying her commands, basically as a, as a form of mind control. Uh, number four is Klaus, played by Robert Sheehan. He can talk to the dead. Uh, number five is number five, played by Aidan Gallagher. He is a teleporter 
and disappeared as a teenager after trying to time travel kind of before the start of the first series. Then number six is Ben, uh, played by Justin H. Min, who can summon a bunch of spooky, scary tentacles from his tummy. Uh, he died on a mission, but his ghost still hangs around with Klaus. And number seven is Vanya, played by Ellen Page, who... Who has no discernible talent. I mean, she's pretty all right at the violin. Yeah, but for most of, for most of the first series, has no discernible ability. Exactly. Speaking of the first series, shall I do a, a little plot summary? I I think so. Uh, okay, so of course, as per usual, uh, we will be talking spoilers uh, for both of the series. So, season one kicks off the Umbrella Academy, now all adults. Uh, the surviving members of the Academy come back together after Reginald dies under mysterious circumstances. Uh, five then reappears, having travelled back from the future. He's now a 58-year-old man, but still stuck in the body of a teenager. Five needs the rest of the Academy's help in stopping the end of the world, whilst he's also on the run from the Commission, a time-travelling group of assassins he used to work for, run by the Handler, played by Kate Walsh. Uh, after a lot of investigating and a lot more infighting, the group discovers that, gasp, Vanya is the one who will cause the apocalypse. Because despite us saying she definitely has no su- super special abilities, she does. Uh, Vanya actually has the ability to manipulate sound waves, uh, but Sir Reginald kept this ability suppressed kind of throughout her childhood out of fear that she might, well, destroy the world. So the Hargreaves siblings confront Vanya as she breaks down at this revelation, and in the ensuing fight, she accidentally destroys the moon. Uh, In a last-ditch attempt to undo the apocalypse, Five teleports everyone back in time, and that's the end of Series 1. I mean, when you say it like that, it sounded so simple. To be fair, I did cut out a lot of the dance sequences. You didn't even touch on the talking monkey. Yes, I, I think that's kind of the, the best summary from Velo Academy. It's so weird that for a, a concise plot summary, I just had to cut out the talking monkey butler. I mean, you said you said there was a, a discount Batman in there in the form of Diego, but I think he's more than made up for by the astoundingly better value Alfred that we get in Pogo the monkey. I think we'll find Mick. He's a chimpanzee, not a monkey. Alright, he's a chimpanzee. I mean, he's also CGI, so I don't think he's going to get that upset. Don't, Don't spoil the magic for the kids, Mick. If kids are watching this, I blame the parents. Actually, yeah, yeah, this really is not a program for kids, is it? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think um, without a familiarity of the comics, I thought season one was definitely a, a binge series. It was definitely one that kept you thinking, I need to press next episode, I need to press next episode. 
if only to try and work out why these assassins are wearing cartoon heads. I don't think they even ever explain why why the commission have weird cartoon character head masks, do they? Which is no, which is why, which is why I was disappointed that the next button option ran out. <laughs> but I still don't know. I know, and now two seasons in, we still don't know. Don't know. <laughs> Although I, I suspect the answer may be something along the lines of because it looks cool. Yeah. Anyway, well season one, like like I say, we're probably going to focus more on season two since that's kind of the more recent one. But just general thoughts, season one, enjoyed it. Was a fan. It 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 was it was very enjoyable. I it was one of those ones where I thought I, I'm not sure what I watched, but I know I liked it. Um, <clears throat> there was plenty to make you think. But why? And some of that carries over into season two. Um, Indeed. Luther, Luther being trapped on the moon um, prior to the funeral and stuff like that. Um, again, by the end of season two, we still don't know why, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I think the implications seem to be that Reginald basically just sent him to the moon because he was sick of him. Yeah. But then in season two, we get some um, hints that he's obsessed with the moon, Reginald. So, Yeah, so who knows? Maybe, maybe there was something more at play anyway. figure probably the, the best thing to do is get season one ranked on our list, just so we kind of know where it is in relation to season two. So what? I'm looking I... around about number eight on our list, Winona Earp season one. Ooh. Oh, now, you see, that's two of my favourites up against each other. Which Winona would love as a, a double entendre. Um, so, yeah, do, do you want kind of the, the full range of things around that? Yeah, give it... So, yeah. number seven, we've got The Old Guard. Number eight, we've got Winona Earp, season one. Number nine, Harley Quinn, season one. Number ten... X-Men from 2000. Uh, I, uh, I mean, by the way, in, in the interim, I've read The Old Guard Volume 1, and I actually, in terms of being a, an adaptation, I think it's probably better than we gave it credit for. Um, so I would tempted because I don't know what this is like as an adaptation because I haven't read the books I would be tempted to put it between the old guard and Winona because I've not heard anybody who, who has read the book complain overly about it yeah that's true Like I, I know it does change some things like I mm -hmm. think um, in in the books Diego, his ability is that he can breathe underwater. And, like, the idea is because he's got a power that's functionally useless 90% of the time, that's why he's trained himself into, like, this kung fu fighting, knife throwing, vigilante assassin. All right. But no, there doesn't seem to be a large contingent of, oh no, they changed that, how dare they? 
But yeah, I'm happy to put Umbrella Academy Season 1 in as our new number 8. Cool. That's that sorted then. If we carry on at this speed, we'll need them to release Season 3 before the end of the podcast. So, yeah, with that being said, shall I jump back into it? (laughs) Recap Season 2? Yes. So, I dare you. (laughs) Look, it's perfectly simple. Five's attempt at time travel goes wrong again, leaving everyone stranded across the early 1960s. Five himself ends up in 1963 to find his siblings battling soldiers from the Soviet Union, and just before nuclear missiles wipe out the entire world, Five is sent back in time another week. Uh, He now only has seven days to track down his siblings and try again to stop the apocalypse. In the one to three years that the Hargreaves have been in the 60s, they've each started new lives. Luther now works as a bodyguard for gangster Jack Ruby. Diego is in a uh, mental institution for trying to warn people about Kennedy's assassination. Allison is married to a civil rights activist. Klaus has founded a cult. And Vanya is living on a farm with no memory of her former life. Uh, Five is eventually able to gather the others together, and they begin trying to unravel what causes this new apocalypse. Uh, And that's a journey which leads them back to their own father, who might be not what he seems, by which I mean a space alien. Yeah. And tagging along is Diego's love interest, a fellow inmate named Lila, played by Ritu Aya. However, what the Hargreaves don't know is that Lila is actually the daughter of the Handler and is working with her to take them down. See? It's all perfectly simple. Oh, well, also well. there is a man who, who is a robot and his head is a, is a goldfish that talks. You mean AJ Carmichael? AJ Carmichael, I do indeed. Controller of the commission, who is the victim of a coup de gras or a coup d'état, even by the Watcher. Man, they squeeze a lot into ten episodes, don't they? They do indeed. This, I mean, if anything, season two is even more zippy than season one. I mean. So much so that they didn't even have room for much chimpanzee. No, that is... I think that is kind of the biggest criticism of season two, is there is a distinctive lack of pogo. Yeah. Except in a few kind of select episodes. Yeah. Tried, I, I did very much enjoy the bit, though, where kind of five finds a baby pogo, and they're, yeah. they're having a bit of a moment, <laughs> and then pogo just <laughs> scratches him in the face. Um, and it's four little moments like that Um, it's it's one of those shows where it definitely pays to be invested in the characters Um, yeah and definitely Carrie you know you know whichever one of your Umbrella Academy members is your favourite from season one you'll probably not be disappointed by their plot um, and development throughout season two. 
Unless, of course, you're a particular fan of Pogo, in which case you'll you'll just go, ah, occasionally. I mean, I guess you'll probably be a fan of the way that he's not dead anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I definitely felt kind of more than seasonal. Like the, the characters were kind of even more likeable. Like there were definitely a few points in season one where they oh, all these Hargreaves, they're, they're not up to much, are they? Yeah. And like, especially, I, I, I like it, that it dropped kind of things like the sort of romance between Alison and Luther. Yeah. Well, that was an uncomfortable thing anyway, really. Yeah, it's one of those... It, I, I hate that things do that, because like The Flash did it as well, where it's like, this is someone who's my adopted sister, also I'm in love with them. But yeah. like, especially in this, when you've got the rest of them referring to each other as like, this is my brother, this is my sister, this is the girl I want to have relations with, who is also my sister. Yeah. Get it. it feels like there needs to be the kind of a bit of banjo music in the background. <laughs> um Yeah, so I think I think certainly Vanya um benefited from a more interesting plotline in season two. Yeah, because she did spend a lot of season one just kind of moping around until yeah, uh, she learned to destroy the world. Yeah, for most of for most of season one, her superpower seemed to be misery, which wasn't aimed at anybody else, just her own misery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel like I think back to every scene of Vanya in season one. I'm sure this wasn't the case, but in my mind, it's always raining when she's on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> even when she's inside. Yeah. <laughs> And she's always just a little bit damp and has the big puppy dog eyes. Yeah. Uh, and there's usually some more indication that she's getting picked on by somebody. It's always being so unfair. Life is being so unfair to Vanya. Which, to be fair, it has been for a lot of her life. But Yeah. But she, yeah. she was very much a, a one-trick pony in season one. Yeah, no, so it was nice to see her get expanded a bit in season two. Yeah, and it was definitely nice to see. I feel like season two has a lot more of kind of all the characters just sort of hanging out and having fun with each other. Yeah. Like yeah. like you get the fun bit where it's kind of Klaus, Vanya and Alison just hanging out in the hairdressers. And that's, I think they spend most of that scene as well just making fun of the, uh, the Alison Luther romance. Yeah. And you've also got the threat level as well from the Swedes. The Swedes are, are quite good fun. They are fun. The Swedes like definitely were responsible for quite a lot of my favourite moments. Like first yeah. of all, the bit where one of them dies, and they're having the funeral for it. And first of all, it's the fact that all they've got is just a foot. So they put <laughs> the foot on a like a canoe, and shoot it with a flaming arrow. And all throughout this scene, what's playing is a Swedish language version of Adele's Hello from the Other Side. <laughs> and then it gets better because they, they break into kind of where the Hargreaves are staying, kill their friend, 
who I've literally already forgotten what, what the guy's name was, but whatever. And they write in his blood, Urger for Urger, which is Swedish for an eye for an eye. And then Luther and Diego come back, see it, and flick through a phone book and make a threatening phone call to Olga for Olga. <laughs> Who's like some 80 year old woman? Yeah. It's, um. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I like both Luther and Diego just being really dumb. Yeah. In fact, to to uh, to quote Lila, you are an open book for very dumb children. Indeed. And Lila, she was good. I've seen um, I've seen her play a number of roles in the last year or so. Um, she was in Doctor Who last year. Uh, Played a Time Lord agent, uh, and she, she's got this real sort of chipper menace. Is the best way I can describe it <laughs> to the way she plays the roles. She's got these amazing wide eyes that make her look permanently crazed. Yeah, yeah. She, she's Even like when a... she's just having a normal scene. She's just like, yeah. She's always just a little bit too manic in like. Yeah. In, a, in a good way, though, in a, like a, a yeah. character way rather than a bad acting way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I think the big question is, which sibling is your favourite and why is it five? Oh, no, you see. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's not five. It's not five. Okay, pl- please no. tell me your, your wrong answer then. It's not five. The reason it's not five is because five is just too bloody damn well smug about everything and has has a face that even a mother would punch. Exactly. That's why he's the best character. <laughs> My favourite's Klaus. Because he's just so... I mean... Klaus is a character for whom the only adjective that works is Klaus. Yes, he's he's just a, a disaster of a man, isn't he? Yeah, no one no one can be as Klaus as Klaus is, and even when Klaus is at his most Klaus, you suspect that there are other levels of Klaus that he can reach. There's, in fact, he now has an entire cult of people. Trying and failing to be even as Klaus as he is. Exactly. Which also, I'd, exactly. I'd love the fact that all of Klaus's words of wisdom to his cult are just <laughs> yes. lyrics from songs written in like the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it is good. I, I think he, does, he tells good. one of his followers, doesn't he? Don't go chasing waterfalls. You stick to the rivers <laughs> and the streams that you used to. <laughs> yeah. And it's just the fact that he delivers it in a sort of uh, I have a dream style delivery. Yes, no, it's like, don't go chasing waterfalls. You you stick to the rivers and the streams that you used to. (laughs) And even 
And that the it's the sad fact that they're so devoted to him, so blindly devoted to him, that even when he stands up in front of them and says, I am a fraud, they go, We are frauds. We're all frauds. Yeah. <laughs> we understand now it's all so clear. <laughs> also, his hair is fantastic. You see, and you went with five as your favourite. I mean, uh, look, I've, I've nothing against. I've nothing against any of them. I would, in fact, maybe say, joking aside, they're all correct choices for being your favourites, except maybe Vanya. Yeah, but even then, she's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, she's still surrounded by quite a bit of tragedy this season, but she's lightened up a little bit. She smiled in two episodes. Yeah, I feel like my whole response to to her, like, plotline of getting a girlfriend is just going, oh, I'm glad something's worked out for Vanya. (laughs) But yeah, no, I also think the big thing with Five for me is it's absolutely ridiculous that he is played by Aidan Gallagher, who is 16 years old. I know. And he's so good at, like, he, you genuinely think he is a 58-year-old man <laughs> in a teenager's body. Especially the scenes where he's driving. Yes. When, when he's driving and he comes across one of the other siblings, <laughs> he just does these... Amazing sort of shocked dad double takes. Yeah, and just I, I love the way like he'll stride up to someone and kind of do the whole like hands and pockets craning forward, shoving his face right into theirs like some, you know, imperious old man. But also he's about half their height. Yeah. Also, do you know how I liked a lot more this season than I did season one? Uh, go on. Diego. Well, yeah, he, he he was only really brought in if there was some physical action going on in season one. Yeah, really, yeah season it? one, Diego is either throw some knives or be angry about the fact that you're not currently throwing knives at someone. Yeah. Yeah, I think his character sort of fleshed out a little bit this time. And what what I love about it is the fact that (laughs) he's put in jail because everybody... He's put in the asylum because everybody thinks that what he's ranting about is some conspiracy nut theory (laughs) about an assassination that spawned so many conspiracy theories. Yes! (laughs) It's, It's like... What, and this is the guy you put in an asylum? It's also, he lives in a world where there is some kind of, like, secret time travel Illuminati trying to control the events of history. Hmm. But yeah, it's, um... Yeah, so, so I'd say, probably in terms of criticism... 
I think really the only real one I've got is that the story is basically exactly the same story as season one. It, it is. I mean, the the only variation you've got is that little sort of um, commission rebellion thing that's going on as a subplot. Yeah, and uh, and even then, a lot of that subplot is just getting to the point where the handler is back in charge of the commission, just like in season yeah. one. Yeah, and it. I think it's still. I mean, for me, of all the of all the siblings, I think Allison's probably got what potentially could be the most powerful of the superpowers, but ends up just being like woefully underused. Yeah, I feel like they kind of have to hand wave a lot of her, like just not wanting to use her powers because otherwise. The plot mm-hmm. would be resolved very quickly. Yeah, I had a rumour that the world didn't end. Oh, yeah, there, there you go. There you go. I mean, surely all you need real... is just give her a megaphone. Hold on, I've just thought. I had a rumour there was a vaccine for coronavirus. No, I haven't got that no. Well, it was worth a go, wasn't it? Hey. You know, it it makes as much sense as any of uh, certain leaders' ideas. If anything, it makes more sense than some of them. <laughs> it's at least not, you know, as actively dangerous as just drink some bleach. <laughs> That's right. At least, at least if I tried it, it wasn't going to hurt anybody. <laughs> Anyway, also, maybe my, my other little thing with this season is obviously there, there's a lot of, you know, kind of having action scenes or kind of dance scenes set to just fun pop songs. But it did sometimes get a bit to the point where it just felt like I was watching MTV. Like, where it's yeah. almost one after the other sometimes. Yeah. Um,. But I think overall, it, it was a tricky season because it it it's one of those worlds where season one obviously got a massive positive response and was a huge hit. And, you know, people I know that aren't interested in the world of comics at all have spent the intervening time going, when's season two coming? When's season two coming? When's season two coming? So it was massive. The second season, you've got to be kind of careful with something like this because it's a universe where obviously you want to build on the success of season one. But the danger is if it's very easy if you go bigger, the, the line between going bigger and going too big and losing a lot of those less traditional audiences that you've pulled in is a very real danger. So I can I can kind of see why they've played it safe by exploring similar themes and plots, but you're right. It, it, while there were a lot of fun bits, the, the overall 
story arc was a lot of the same again. Yeah, I think that also maybe plays into as well the, the stuff with like the over reliance on the whole pop song action scene. Is that it's mm. kind of them saying, "Well, what what does everyone like best from season one?" It's that one bit where they're all dancing around the house too. I think we're alone now. So we've got to do more of that in season two. And they just kind yeah. of sometimes overdid it a little bit. But again, these are yeah. these are ultimately niggles. And I think yeah. the season does do a good job as well of saying, right, this is these are some things that people didn't like so much in the first series and just fixing those like very succinctly. Yeah. So you get more like happier moments and less weird romance subplots. Yes. Although, not to say that there aren't a fair share of weird romance subplots. Yeah, I guess no uncomfortable romance subplots rather than yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's still a ghost who's in love with his brother's like cult member. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't uncomfortable. That was just tragic. <laughs> it was. <laughs> also, do you know what else about this series? It what? looks great. It does. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like it's the TV show that 4K was invented for. It is like especially I think the like the big standout for me, and it's not even like the biggest scene, is the bit where Ben is possessing Klaus and Klaus is trying to like physically shove him back out his body. That is just so awesome. I mean a a lot of those a lot of those scenes where um Klaus is interacting with Ben, but they show from an onlooker's perspective that Ben isn't visible to anybody except Klaus. Bob Sheehan in those scenes is unbelievably good. Yeah, just screaming at walls and flailing about in the thin air. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing his body in a way that could only happen if it was being interacted on by an external force. So yeah, much kudos to him for for portraying those. But those those are some of the funniest and best shot scenes in, in the series. It is, yeah. And, other, and yeah, I think to be fair, it is one of those things where you kind of forget, like, how difficult that must be to do. Yeah. Because you've not yeah. got anything there to, like, know what's going Like, it's all in his mind. That's it. So, yeah, it's... Um... Yeah. Also, I really love the it's... bit where Diego just goes and, like, full Magneto... Which just like catches a bunch of bullets in midair and just like throws them to one side. Yeah, <laughs> and I like. I, I think I think that's one of the advantages that a show like Umbrella Academy has got. Now that you've established the the world that they're in, you know, you've got time travel. You've got time traveling assassins trying to control how time goes. You've got a man who's been healed with gorilla serum and is super strong. Now that you've built that world, you've got to ask the question, how big is too big? And 
the fear of losing audience members who go, oh, you've, you've taken it too far, should really be disappearing into the background because, you know, they've accepted the talking chimpanzee, the world-ending violin playing, and the time-travelling fishman. You know, what more can you throw at them that they can't swallow? Um, well, definitely not the fishman. Well. <laughs> no. He's, um, he's destined for a U-bend, let's be honest. Oh, dear, he is. <laughs> And yeah, excited to see what's going to happen in season three. Yeah, well, my advice, Netflix, is go big or go home with season three. My advice is hurry it up. Well, that too. Anyway, shall we uh, get season two ranked as well? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say this should go pretty high, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, for all the little niggles, I think it was a lot zippier than season one. But that's because season one had that troublesome task of having to build the world. Yeah, and to be fair, um, season two, the episodes have gone for like an hour to about 43 minutes, which I think helps a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. What was above the old guard? So, uh, shall I just do our kind of top six? Yeah. So, number one is Road to Perdition. Number two is Sin City. Number three is the uh, the Watchmen TV miniseries. Number four is Crisis on Infinite Earths, the uh, Arrowverse miniseries. Number five mm. is the Birds of Prey movie. And number six is the first Iron Man movie. <sighs> you see... I did enjoy the Watchmen series. But is Umbrella but Academy maybe a bit better than it? Yeah. But, but well, what I'm thinking more is if someone said, right, I'm going to shut you in a room with a Netflix account. Or, well, with a, with a streaming account of your choice, but you were only allowed to watch one of two things that you've already watched. If it was a choice between Umbrella Academy season two and the Watchmen TV series, I think I'd be read. I think I'd be more willing to rewatch this again and again and again than I would the Watchmen TV series. Because I think the Watchmen TV series is a good series, but it's it's not a fun series. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. It's it's like you can watch a good movie, but it's not necessarily uh, an enjoyable movie. Yeah, I, I think also, probably at the end of the day, Watchmen is, it may even be better. It's almost definitely kind of a more important TV series, but we are just going off kind of our personal preference, and I think we both prefer yeah. Umbrella Academy. Yeah. 
So Umbrella Academy season two is going to be our new number three. Well, hey. Well, we dealt with that in short shrift. Two seasons in one episode. Wow. I know. We're, we're almost as zippy as the show itself. <laughs> right, well. Yeah, I think that may be about it from us. I think so. So if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our old episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. You can also listen to our other podcasts, the Comics Review Show 4 panel, over on the Geek Show Podcast Network. And if you want to get in touch with us, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you did leave us a review on your podcast app of choice, or even just recommended us to a friend. It is the, uh, the best way for us to grow as the show and to reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mike. So long, and thanks for listening. Thank you.